Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Today we have a bonus episode for you as a follow-up to my interview with missionary Chad Wells. Chad and Kirsten's boys have grown into fine young men and they're still serving joyfully and patiently with their parents in Papua New Guinea. I took the opportunity to sit down with the guys following my conversation with their dad and talk to them a little bit about growing up on the mission field and how they're thinking about their role in the work in New Guinea at this stage in their lives. As with my conversation with Chad, this was recorded at a missions conference in North Mississippi. The boys were not present for my conversation with their dad, so whatever overlap you hear, it's just the result of good training and discipleship. Chad and Kirsten were on hand for the conversation. Trevor, Derek, and Connor were fielding my questions with no prior notice or preparation. So here's my conversation with Chad and Kirsten's three sons. Thanks for sitting down with me, fellas. I'll get you to uh, introduce yourselves here at the at the start. We'll start uh, start with you, Trevor. If you give me your name and your age, I'm Trevor Wells, and 23. I am Derek Wells at 20. Connor Wells, 19. All right. Um, do you guys remember? Do you do you remember the transition going to the uh, going to the mission field, uh, Trevor? Probably that would be that would be more accessible for you. Do you have what What was your memory, Trevor, of of actually moving from the U.S. to the foreign mission field? What What's your What's your memory of that? Um, well, I have um, I have some specific memories about being in the states. And then I've got specific memories about being in New Guinea, but I guess I don't really have that transition period. I don't really, I don't really remember it as being weird or anything. I just, my life is normal. I don't really remember anything different. <laughs> well, do you regard New Guinea as your home? Yep. Yeah. Because you've been there since, what were your... Ages approximately. My, my, my. I think I was nine. I was seven. Nine, seven, and I remember I was five. Five. Do you re- do you have a recollection of moving? No, nope. not really. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's just uh, all your your all your memories are in New Guinea, pretty much. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite part of growing up on the foreign mission field? Um, for me, I think the most thing that the thing that I like the most is just being able to be inside the work. So you see everything firsthand. You know, you're, you're there, you're helping with, uh, say we have like a camp meeting or something, you're helping cooking and doing that, and then you're there for the preaching, and you see the people get saved, and you're helping them, and you see them grow, and, and oftentimes, just being back here, we, we hit a camp meeting, and everybody goes to camp, and then they come back, and it's just kind of back to normal life, whereas in New Guinea, you know, we do that, and we're just, we just keep going, and it's always moving forward, and I, I like that aspect of, of being in New Guinea, always really? getting work. Immersed in ministry. Yep, first name for sure. Let me let me let me ask you like this: What do you what do you like best about coming back to the U.S. from from the standpoint of New Guinea as your home? But you have made several trips to the to the states, and it's a it's a necessity with your family. What's your favorite thing about coming back to the U.S.? Well, there's always uh, seeing family again. Yeah, that's always nice. 
and probably fast food. That's <laughs> nice to have again. Yeah. But no, that's it's, good. It's that's... always nice to come back and meet family again. Sure. And see everyone again. That those are categories that uh, most young people just don't even think about being away from their family or not having access to fast food. <laughs> right. It's kind of sad that that's the thing we look for. Uh, hey, no, that's that's all right. What about you, Derek? Um, well, coming back in 2015 when we came back, um, I had I didn't really have any friends, and so came back. It was just pretty much family. But coming back this time. I had some friends that came and visited us, and I knew some more people, so that was that was nice to connect back with that. Um, but other than that, it's just I don't know. You just kind of feel you kind of just move into it, and it's just like church, and you just kind of keep going, but without all the the work. But it's kind <laughs> so, of kind of weird. Yeah, it's 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 a lot different than yeah. than just perpetual ministry in New yeah, Guinea, I guess. For sure. How about you, Trevor? I think the best thing about coming back to the states is their airplane trip back home <laughs> <laughs> so you miss being in new guinea when you're here yeah yep. all each of you yeah feel like it's, sure. it's just yeah that's usually the best part about going on a trip is getting back home yes. so what are some um let me let me take each of you one at a time what are some ways in which you're currently involved in the ministry so, Connor, how do you how do you contribute on a regular basis to the work? Uh, so, in the schools, I have an RI class, religious instruction class, that I have every Monday that I go to the school. It's about 10 minutes away that I go to every Monday morning. And then in Kumiana, I do song leading. Yeah. And then it's always working on different stuff to help contribute to yeah. everything else in the ministry. So your your dad was telling me you've gotten to be a pretty good mechanic. Do you like mechanicing? Yeah. Have you picked that up as of necessity of just having to fix things? Yeah. And it's it's become quite enjoyable. Yeah. Nice. Good. Good. How about you, Derek? Um, I teach in our, our school for kindergarten class. I do that um, every day till about 12. Um, then Wednesdays, Sundays, I preach at... Um, at the church I was looking at for the, the last 10 months we were there. I was preaching there, and I do chapel sometimes for our, for our school. Um, and then I we just also started our radio, and I, I work in that as well. I do lots of the, the talking and uh, some of the setup. Trevor does most of the, the actual programming, and then I just make it work, I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah. So for the last 10 months, you've, mm-hmm. been, you've been preaching twice a week at a church. Um, Usually, probably about three, four, four times a week. Three, three or four times a week. Yep. Yeah. So how did that opportunity materialize? Um, that happened, um, so I wasn't, before that happened, I was kind of jumping between um, where my dad was preaching in Lama Samo, and uh, Justin Dye, he's the other missionary that's where, there with us. Um, so I was jumping back and forth. I wasn't really consistent on either one. I was just, whoever was going first, I would just pop in with them and I would just go and just be there. I wouldn't preach or lead songs or really anything like that. Um, and then when Justin died, they had their kid and uh, had some medical problems, and so they had to come back to the States. And so Justin, when he, when he first did it, they didn't think that it was going to take that long. It was just for a two- or three-week thing. So Dad was like, hey, you know, we need this filled for these few weeks that Justin's going to be gone in Hogan and stuff. And so, you know, would you be willing to do it? And I was like, sure, I can do it for a few weeks. 
And so I started then, and then it, then they had to fly to Philippines, and so I was like, all right, I'll take, I guess, two, two or three more weeks. And then they had to go to the States, and I was like, okay, well, I guess this is just kind of the thing I'm doing now. <laughs> so I preach uh, Wednesday night, and then usually two times on Sunday, do Sunday school. And Was there some point at which you, you embrace that as sort of your own ministry, like where it's not just your, you're filling in, but something that you could really pour yourself into? Um, it, it did. It happened about, it took me, I think, five five months for it to really become mine, I guess. Because um, it was hard because I was just the fill-in guy. Um, but then once it was realized that he's not coming back for a little while and it's my job now, I was able to really grab it. And, um, and then what really what really sunk at home was, I think, when I had to do the funeral uh, for when a guy named Wiru died um, and just how, how much respect they actually showed to me um, and how much they, authority they gave me. It really sank home how much they, how much they actually loved me, and it really, really put me in a good spot for that. Trevor, how about you? Um, so, uh, on a weekly basis, um, I teach in the RI class at the school right there in Pengia. Um, that's every Wednesday. Um, so I teach in that once a week, and then um, I fill in for Dad. Uh, whenever he's sick, I preach there in Lama. And then I also lead songs for him every week. And then I'm in the print shop, printing the tracks and booklets and uh, running that. And then I'm working on cars or helping build houses or whatever. Yeah. So this uh, the printing ministry is really something that you've sort of adopted and something that you found out that you're good at. At, at what point did you really, did you see yourself as sort of owning that that ministry or was it something that was sort of dropped in your lap? I don't, I don't think there was ever a point that I can say this is when I took ownership of it. Um, Cause you know, originally uh, when we were first starting to print that Bible, um, I was operating the cutter and the folders and, um, and then I would help dad every once in a while with the presses. Uh, but mostly that was uh, Connor was helping dad with that. Um, mostly I was just over there on the side, cutting the paper and getting it all ready and then folding the finished product. And, and then we got the new presses and I had messed around with those other ones a bit. And so I knew, I knew how they worked. I knew the process, um, but I hadn't really operated them much. Mostly it was dad had operated them. And so with those new presses, they were different and. Um, they're bigger, more complicated. And so dad said, well, you know, they just got off the container and when we're packing the container, we stuff stuff in every crack. So the press was full of stuff. We couldn't just plug it in and start running. So I had to take it all apart and get everything out. And, um, so dad said, yeah, go ahead and get that and get it all set up and figure out what's different about it, what we need to actually do to get it running. And so I just learned it, trying to get it all ready and fixed and anything that broke in transit. And uh, so I, I just kind of... Almost by default, yeah. it, it became yours by, by it, virtue. It wasn't something that was a decision. It was just something that that's just how it happened and just went from there. The father's master plan. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been keeping up with you boys for years in, through the prayer letters and, and what... The, the many ways in which you all have contributed to the ministry. And I think this is one of the, 
the unique things about, and probably it's similar for a lot of missionary kids, you guys, it seems like your whole life has virtually been, you've been immersed in ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's just, it's just what you, it's just what you know. And have you guys ever struggled with the idea of calling um, with your part in ministry? Do you, do, do, is it, is that even, is that even an issue? Uh, for me, it's not. My thing that the way the way that I think of it as is so dad called our dad was called, and so I'm kind of just by default I'm in that, and I figure I'm I'm where God wants me. So until He shows me otherwise, then I might as well stay where God wants me. Absolutely. Because if I need to move, you'll you'll show me. Amen. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at personally. Sure. Sitting on the side doing nothing, watching everyone work is kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. might as well be doing something. Sure. How do you think your your family has made these kinds of things enjoyable? It seems like your family enjoys enjoys serving the Lord. Even right down to, you know, things like overhauling an engine or building a building. It just seems like you guys are, are good at it. You, you just do what you do and you seem like you you have a good attitude about it. How do you think that uh well, I guess I should start by asking you, do you enjoy what you do? You enjoy what you do? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like, mm-hmm. I like to stay busy. Sure. Doing nothing is, it goes against every fiber in my body just to sit there. Yeah. So how do you think your parents have made these things enjoyable? Or is it just you, you can't really conceive of it any other way? I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's just, just always, always been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it is. And so... That's what it is. And then you have, it also helps when you have lots of other people coming in and they, they're they saying, you know, how great it is and what you guys are doing is amazing. And it kind of opens your eyes to be like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. So visitors to New Guinea have, have helped to encourage you over the years to, to see your usefulness to the Lord. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You know, when we have pastors or even young guys come and, and like we had two young guys that came and they didn't know how to really do anything. You know, they finished school and all this, but right. they didn't actually have any practical knowledge. And so dad would send Trevor or me or Connor and be like, go teach him how to do this or make that. And we would do it. And I don't know. It's just kind of that, that factor of them. Like, I don't actually know how to do this. How do you do this? And just because we're in the ministry and that's what we do. And they don't, because they're just doing school and going to baseball games. So with that, with that said, and, and I ask you this in, recognize or, or believing that you're that each of you are mature enough to to field the question and and answer it uh, honestly but um, with limited exposure to the states but some exposure through through um, periodic furloughs have there been times growing up on the mission field in New Guinea where you felt like you were missing out on something in the states have you ever have you ever struggled with discontentment in your heart about not having a tra- more traditional sort of teenage American experience. Not, not really for me, because that's just how it is, and so I've never really thought of it. I just kind of go about my life. <laughs> I stay too busy to think about that stuff. I don't know. Okay. I think the only because yeah, it's kind of just we're always staying busy, but. I don't know that I've ever really struggled with it, but the only thing that I've ever thought would be, oh, you know, that would be kind of nice, is 
because um, I I love reading and I love uh, history and science, and so sometimes you know I think you know it'd be nice to uh, be in a place where you know you've got ready access to whatever you want to find out. You know, you got the library right there. You can go look up anything, learn anything, and sometimes I've thought you know what it would be like to grow up with that. But then now, you know, we've got internet there in the bush. And so now I can do that. I can look up and learn whatever. And I also have more hands-on knowledge that I don't think I would have had. So it's not something I ever struggled with because I can see both sides of it. Sure. But there were times when I was kind of like, I wonder what, what it would be like. That's a really, that's really interesting because you guys experienced something that, um, that, uh, most people your age never experienced. And that was getting internet access in the bush because that's like a generation, that's like a generation (laughs) earlier for the, for most Americans. Um, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that you're, that, that you're, the development of your character was was better served by some of the experiences that you've had, the limited exposure to some things, and then as you say, you've developed uh, skills that you probably that would have been much more difficult to acquire um, on the level that you've acquired it here because of just simple necessity. What are for for you guys? What are some of the what are some of the more difficult pressures that you face on the on the foreign mission field, be that be it living conditions, spiritual pressures for you personally, the living conditions and all that. I mean, that's just normal. Yeah. Cause it's so, what you've known. Yeah. So it's not like it's a hardship because you know, that's just the way it is. You know, the power <laughs> goes out all the time. It's not a big deal cause that's the way it is. So I don't think, I mean, it's just the way it's always been. So it's not like we can say, you know, it's really bad or really good. It's just life. Sure, sure. Do you guys look forward to your uh, the the furloughs? We sort of touched on that, but is that something that you look forward to, or that you sort of dread having that over the years? In the beginning, then you're like, mm-hmm. let's go back to our place. It's something that you look forward to until until you get here for a while, and then you yeah, just once you're here for a few it. months, it's kind of because there's not much to do here because we're not in all the activities yeah. that we do in America and so we read books and like this time we we read books do Bible school drive around it's kind of like it's boring <laughs> because we're used to we're used to always going so fast we're always doing something and then there's not that much stuff to do here you know ministry wise uh, there's not very many doors available, especially as as younger. Now now it's a little bit better because we're a little bit older. Uh, we're technically adults, I guess. But <laughs> so there's a few more of those, you know, preaching and and some of that stuff that we can do. But it's really, I think it it gets boring after a little bit. Sure, just sure. being in America, I guess. And I'm kind of opposite because when we're in New Guinea, I dread coming back to the states. <laughs> um, but then. You know, we're here for a little bit, and I, I get okay with it, but I'm still looking forward to going back. What was it like um, 
what was your perspective on your sister's courtship and marriage and all of that? Was it uh, pretty pretty straightforward, easy e- easy stuff? It's a good thing we liked the guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't like the guy, it'd be much harder. Yeah. <laughs> And it's kind of, it's, for me, it's kind of the same mentality of going and coming from the mission field. Uh, it's just how it is, so we just kind of keep going. So it's almost like, not that we blocked out of our minds, but it's just kind of like this is how it is. So sure. no use really thinking about if she was here. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, we miss Amber. Yeah. But it's oftentimes it's just this is the new normal, so it's it's okay. Just you, you adapt because it's what you do because yeah. you've, you've we, we adapt I think sometimes too quickly but yeah. <laughs> yeah. we morph pretty fast so so let me let me ask you you guys about this um, each of you are each of you are adults so you guys have some you have some potentially some big decisions to make in the in the near future and I'm certainly not trying to pressure you about any of those things. How have you begun to think about the next stage of life for each of you now that you're transitioning to adulthood in some in some ways and, and you do have the opportunity um, at, at some point in the near future for independence? I mean, how do you uh, how do you try to think about that? I don't know. I try not to think about it, <laughs> <laughs> which I know is the wrong way to do it, but it's really hard because I don't know. Thinking about doing anything else other than what I'm doing is really scary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about the next step or you know what I'll do if I'm not in New Guinea, uh, it's really scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think one of the, the big scary things is we're always together, and so you think about going back and you're kind of then by yourself. You know, you're with your other family, but it's not the same because we're a very tight family and we all kind of like each other. So. Yeah. That that is one thing that I'm like, kind of leery of, is because we're we're just always together, and it's just we don't really want to. It's just how we kind of want it. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, it seems like you it seems like you you referenced this earlier in the conversation, Derek. Um, you don't have to do anything other than what you're doing. God's given you something yeah. to do right now, so um, I, I I guess you. You don't really necessarily have to fit, figure out something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord, the Lord will make that clear to you at some point. But um, by the same token, uh, you're going to have to navigate more and more of this on your own faith. Yeah, you've got to have your own walk with God and 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 get the Lord's direction for your life personally. And so uh, the faith element um, that's uh, that's pretty important, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're really having to trust God for yourself, even right now, to to give you directions as to whether there's something else or some other place that He wants you to be. So, is that a is that something that you uh, that you consciously pray about with any regularity, or is it just really a matter of you've got your marching orders presently, and if there's something else to do, the Lord will make that clear to you. Mm, I I do pray about it. But I pray about it and then promptly try to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> you think about um, you ever think about marriage and uh, how would you how would you meet a young lady 
And uh, is that a matter of regular prayer? Um, I'm sure you've seen the Lord provide with, uh, a husband for Amber. So certainly the Lord can do it. Is that a part of your thought process with any regularity? That's That may be too close to home. Well, scary is what it is. <laughs> but So what I figure is, because we are very different kinds of people, um, as in like the normal American, we're, our mentalities and our thought process is very different. So what I figure is, if I'm, if I want to get you know in a relationship with somebody, I have to know that they can take New Guinea and that they'll be able to last in New Guinea because I feel like that's where I'll end up again. I don't have a like a, a very strict or you know a, I'm going back, but I feel like that's where God will put me because that's where I'm I'm armed for because I know it so well. So even if it's not where we're at or directly, but I think we we'll go back to the beginning. So I kind of I kind of am waiting for God. I feel like He's going to send someone to New Guinea, and that and I'll be able to see if they last, and then I can kind of judge it from there. That's kind of my my thought process. Might be flawed, but. Kind of what I'm going with. Well, and I, the way I pray about it is, I pray that um, that I will be the man that I'm supposed to be for whoever God has for me, and and because you know, with me, I think Mom said this before. It'll almost end up having to be. Yeah, the girl will have to propose to me. <laughs> so I just figure um, if I pray that I'll be the one that I'm supposed to be, then I can let God handle it and I won't have to actually think about it. <laughs> Trevor, that's actually a very, very profound and mature approach to marriage prospects because there's, I think there's, pastorally speaking, I think there's far too much emphasis put on our expectations of the other party. Uh, whereas if, if we will make the one thing that we do have control over, and that is being the kind of person that would be a good husband, good father, etc., that the Lord will take care of the part that we don't have any control over. So uh, I, I really appreciate you relating that, and I think that the, I believe the Lord will honor that, that the mentality that you have. I don't think it's something that fretting over it wouldn't profit anything, being busy and faithful, doing what God's given you to do right now. The Lord got, got Adam a wife when there were slim pickings. <laughs> what are what are some of the most difficult things you've been through in New Guinea? Maybe a maybe a, a scary experience, a, a close call or or uh, something that was a real challenge for you. So um, there is a time we were it was me and uh, five other guys that um, it was, I think it was me and five other guys we were going to preach in Yungali. Um that was before we started the church at Lama um, so we are still looking after the church at Yungali. and dad was sick so it was something that uh, one of the preacher boys was going to preach I was five, six years ago so I wasn't, I was still doing some teaching at the school and stuff, but I wasn't actually doing any preaching yet. Um, so we went there, uh, he preached, um, we did the singing and, you know, finished up church and we we're on the way back. Uh, it had kind of rained for maybe an hour or two 
right at the end of the church service and kind of while we were on the way. Um, and then there's this one uh, kind of a hill going down. It's one of the steeper sections of the place we were driving. And uh, this other drunk guy, he was just coming up really fast on my side of the road. And so I drove into the ditch and he swerved past. I mean, it was really close. I, but then I overcorrected trying to come back onto the road. And uh, we went, swerved a couple times, almost went in the other ditch, but then we ended up rolling down that mountain. Uh, I think we ended up rolling three times uh, before it finally stopped. And you know, the one guy who was in the back playing the guitar while we were driving, and we stepped out of the front windshield. You know, the car was on its side. We stepped out of the front windshield. He was still holding his guitar. <laughs> and I had a cut from some glass on my one of my knuckles. And one of the guys, uh, he had a knot on his head. But other than that, none of us were actually injured at all. That was the Lord's protection. Nobody was wearing seatbelts. Wow. Yeah, none of us were wearing seatbelts. Uh, one guy, he's playing the guitar while we're, while we're rolling this car. Um, and yeah, that was pretty scary. Mm. And I don't like driving still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Derek, didn't you have to, didn't you break up some kind of fight recently? Or did I imagine mm -hmm. that? No, that was uh, when uh, in La, uh, Kumiana when that when that guy died from the house fire, the, the older gentleman named uh, Wiru. So he died, and so um, Dad sent me. He said, "You're taking care of the church, so this is a church problem. So you need to go fix it." And so is the problem was it was a bunch of family members. They were accusing each other of not looking after uh, Wiru as good as they should have, and. In reality, none of them actually did anything except for one, one guy who was taken to the hospital and trying to get medicine. And but uh, he left for one night to go to uh, one of his other relatives' died, so he was going over there to pay his respects. And he died that the one night that he wasn't there. And so then they blamed him. And so then he's like, "I'm the only one that did anything here." And so then actually his they got into a big fight, and so I had to jump in between his family, stop him, uh, pull him apart, and. Um, that's, that's really when, when I figured out how much respect they had for me, because I was, I was pretty scared. Uh, you know, they had some sticks that they were throwing around and people were throwing punches and I didn't get hit. I was pretty close the one time. It's one of, uh, one of the, ch the church ladies actually almost punched me. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> she went for, for her, it was, uh, her, um, her husband's brother. So she was going to punch him right in the face and it was going right for me instead. So I was able to dodge out of that one, so I didn't get hit. I was thankful for that. <laughs> but I was able to stop that one. I was able to then preach to them all and tell them all that they didn't do anything. And I laid into them a little bit. Afterwards, I thought about it. I was like, man, how did I even do that? And then why did they even listen to me? Because it's just a big family. And I'm the outside guy. But because they had seen me you know, preaching there and I was the, the missionary. I was their missionary, even though Dad's the actual missionary. But... Because I had been there, so they thought of me as a missionary. Amen. And so that's, that's, God gave me that authority, I believe, and made the lesson, and I was able to break that fight up. And a few of the guys actually came back later and said, you know, we were wrong. Thank you for, for helping us out. 
Um, so it was, it was really encouraging. It was very scary, but then very encouraging at the same time. Were you guys looking on? I know there was a there was another incident where your dad was uh, sort of in the midst of a pretty sketchy situation. I, there was a bush knife mm-hmm. that that was involved in that in the melee, if I recall correctly. Were you guys present for that? Were you on looking? We were. We were all in the house, peeking out, seeing if Dad was going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was, um, what was that? That was on the way to Kumiana. It was, um, Topica's house, wasn't it? No, it's, that's a different one. That was another one. Who is that? This has happened more than once. With, oh, well, the, the really bad one was, there was, that one was just once. <laughs> yeah. The not so bad ones. A few right? times. A few times. With but the prisoners, then that was, that was. The really bad one was once. <laughs> yes. What was that? That one was when, um. So we have we have our back property. We don't have the we don't have the complete land, but we have it in the process, and everybody knows it's ours. But um, these these police guys and some other people down the road from us, they really they want it. We don't I don't know why, but they really well, want it. They're wanting to build that yeah. prison there, but according to New Guinea law, you can't build a prison within yeah. a certain amount of the populated area, and so it's illegal to build a prison there. But they wanted it. And we had it, so they're trying to take it. So they came in, they cut all the, they were cutting up and down all the trees and, uh, you know, just hacking, hacking at stuff and yelling and screaming. It's a bunch of prisoners. There's two <laughs> guards there. They don't have guns or anything. They just have, they're just standing there. And all the, all the prisoners have machetes and stuff. And, and so then, so that's when our grandparents are still there. And so my grandma was like, they're cutting down my trees. And so then dad was like, oh no. <laughs> so he ran out there. Um, and he was trying to he was trying to talk with the the police officer there, and so then the police officer just got mad. He's like, "Just kill him!" And so one of the prisoners he took a swing, but I believe God God turned the blade, and so he just it just slapped on the the flat side, and didn't get him on the sharp side, and got a very really big welt, and it was really red. But uh, God kept him safe with that. Wow, wow. But you guys, I mean, given your given your relationship to the people, it's not. Has there ever been a time where you were fearful of just uh, of the setting there? Um, During some of the fights, maybe. Yeah. But not really. In specific times with specific people, there's been times where we're, um, you know, it's a sketchy situation. We're a little nervous that we'd be injured or something, but I don't think we've ever been, you know, scared for our life. Sure. Like, like even... When, when that incident happened, there was um, a bunch of the guys, you know, a bunch of the drug guys. They actually were going to go kill the, the police officer. They're like, you're messing with our missionary. You know, we're already going to hell. We can go kill him. And so dad was actually able to stop him. But they were like, they were like this is our missionary. So they're very possessive. Wow. And they're, they're proud that we're there. They're happy that we're there. So it's not really, uh, all in all, it's not really dangerous that we're there. Because we know that we have lots of people there that are that will protect us. Yeah, they're, they're looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah. about <laughs> so when you got hit by lightning. <laughs> did you get struck by lightning? I did. What happened? Uh, I was on my way to the store to get some kerosene to start a fire. It was raining, and on my way past the print shop, lightning struck the roof, branched off, and hit me because I had an umbrella. 
Metal umbrella. Metal umbrella. <laughs> and it knocked me out. I think it was just for a few seconds. <laughs> then I went and got the kerosene and went home. <laughs> wow. So all all things considered, is there anything that you would change about your years growing up on the mission field? I think it's fun. I enjoy my work. I see lots of Americans do not enjoy their work, yeah. but I, I love my work. I love teaching the kids and preaching and working on stuff, knowing that working on this will mean people get saved. That's our, our whole whole work day is making it so people get saved. So that's a that's a pretty big booster right there. So you don't it's kinda of hard to complain when people are getting saved. Well and also, you know, we get to do a lot of cool stuff. You know, we visited with other missionaries there in New Guinea. And you know, we've gone night diving in the coral reefs and we've gone <laughs> splunking and Climbed up mountains, visited big waterfalls, and you know we've we've got to do a lot of cool stuff in New Guinea. Sure, and that's you know that's not counting anything you know, here in the states. On furlough and deputation, we visited a lot of national parks and museums, and you know we've we've done a lot of really cool stuff that you wouldn't. I mean, you'd have to spend a lot of money to be able to do the things that we've done where we've just done it basically for free or almost nothing because we're already there. Yeah. We're already passing through all those cool spots. Um, and, you know, we're in an exotic location. So it's kind of just a perk. It's not above and beyond a lot of money. Just something really cool that we get to do. Amen. Plus, we get to go like Egypt and stuff. Yeah, it's free because it's on the way, and we just orient the tickets properly, and we get to stay there for free. It works for me. I mean, yeah, that's cool stuff. So my know. friends have been to Egypt. I, I was going to say I don't know a lot of people that have been to Egypt. So Egypt, to England, and Philippines, and all kinds of places. Yeah, I think last last furlough, uh, we were counting up the different countries we've been in. And, you know, most of them are just passing through, not actually leaving the airport. But even even without that, I mean, we've been to a lot of different countries. We've been all over the world. And it's really cool. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So uh, could you see yourself? I mean, could you see yourself the rest of your life in New Guinea? That's what the Lord wanted. Yeah. For sure. My problem is, is when I see myself, you know, in the future, I just see myself as right now. I don't, I can't see myself as any different than where I'm at right now. That's all right. I think the nature of faith is that, uh, that you, you trust God for what he gives you to do presently. And, uh, if you're faithful in that, you don't have to worry about what's next. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about walking with the Lord. He gives you what you need when you need it. And uh, I appreciate you boys. You're, y'all are y'all have a great testimony. You're, you're um, the, uh, the churches that are investing in your family, doing a work in New Guinea, they have gotten a lot more bang for their buck <laughs> with the Wells family. 
than uh, than just about any missionary family that I know of because of because of your labor, and I know that's got a great deal to do with the uh, with the spirit and the mentality of your parents. But uh, but but you guys are you 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 guys uh, you have cooperated and had a good attitude and and uh, had a submissive spirit to the Lord, and that's made all the difference in the world. I sure I sure appreciate how the Lord's using you there. And look forward to seeing how he's going to use you in the years to come. Any parting ideas? Words of advice for other MKs? Stay on as long as you can. Stay on the field as long as you can. Amen. Lots lots of kids leave too early. They're not ready and they come back to the States and all the worldly things just kind of jump out at them. Because we're so, we're we're very sheltered in New Guinea. So that's why I feel like I'm not even ready to, I come back for the year or so, even with my family and it's, uh, I don't like it. I like New Guinea. Sure. Too much other worldly influences in just everyday life. So I think for other missionary kids, try and stay as long as you can. And you'll be able to get stronger before you come against more things of the world. Yeah. Man. Well, and it's just as much or more of a spiritual fight there. But it's the fight you know versus Mm -hmm. a brand new off-the-wall fight that you're not ready for. We're very mature in some ways and not in the others. <laughs> yeah, and it takes wisdom to recognize that. So, and know your limitations and what you're ready for and what you're not ready for. God will tell you when it's time. Amen. Your feelings don't trust those. <laughs> right. I appreciate Trevor, Derek, and Connor sitting down with me for this conversation. As you can tell, they're really impressive young men. It was a little bit difficult to get these guys to describe what it was like growing up on the mission field simply because it's the only life they've ever known. What would be strange, primitive, or exotic to you and me is just life for them. I did gather a few quick takeaways for prospective missionary parents. For one, go early. It's much more difficult to adapt to a foreign field when you've become acclimated to life in America, and it may be more difficult the older you are, especially for children. Stay busy. This family has a lifestyle that stays continually engaged in the right kinds of activities. There's little opportunity to bemoan the things you're not getting to do when you're so busy doing other things. And something I haven't really much thought about before, entertain visitors, the right kind of visitors from the States. I've thought a lot about mission trips over the years. I've never thought much about the value of foreign mission trips for the missionary kids on the foreign field. But Derek's comments in the course of the conversation gave me pause. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus podcast. Trevor's explanation about how he's preparing for a spouse was worth the entire conversation. You might think about sharing that with your teenage son or daughter. We'll be back on Friday for the next Great Commission conversation. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.